Yes. So for the people that don't know, because they've been underneath a rock and they just are clueless, who is Miss Allison Williams? Okay. Uh, I, I, I would imagine they have been under a rock, but maybe they just got born late into work. You know. Okay. Um, I'm from Harlem, New York. I'm a recording artist, an actress. Make sure we are yeah. safe and everybody in the world yeah. is covered. So being the first lady of Def, Def Jam and also the first lady of jazz in Harlem, how was that experience for you? Well, you know, it's hard to explain, uh, baby. It's kind of like I, I, I enjoy, I'm proud of being, I'm proud of having uh, people uh, give me those monocles, you know what I'm saying, and re refer to me as those things. But for me, it, you know, I don't, I don't buy much into for myself. I don't buy much into the the, the, the title. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe I have to wait till I'm a real, real old old lady, and I'll be like, <laughs> you know, like they call Alice Gerald the first lady of song. Yes. They call the uh, Sarah Bond, the Duchess of this and the that and the do and the who and the how, you know, everybody had a model. I, I I'm just trying to do the best I can with the gift I've been given, but it does make me feel good. You exactly. know, it does make me feel good that people, uh, you know, they, 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 they hold me in a certain light. I guess that's what I have to say. We do, because um, me being um, of the of the, the younger generation millennials, when we hear First Lady of Def Jam, we think Oh wow! Like 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 Lil Kim, like she was like the the woman there with all the men, and she ran everything. Like she was the top lady in charge. Right, right. Well, I was the only female R and B singer on a on a rap label. I did have one female counterpart, Nikki um, D, who was their first female rapper that um, that uh, that was signed to the label. And 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 much like myself, she never really got her just dues. But you know, the label uh, it was an incredible time to be a part of a label that was literally um, how can I put it? Literally uh, changing the face of of what uh, urban music was about. Was you know, and we didn't even have the word hip-hop we just had rap you know what I mean that was yeah. what it was and um so it was it was great to be a part of that and and to be uh associated 
uh, you know, to have label mates like uh, LL Cool J and 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 and, and uh, uh, Public Enemy and, and have all of them also really being um, how can I put it uh, supportive of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were always right there, and they were they were just as happy to have me as their counterpart as I was happy to have them. Right, so it, it wasn't it wasn't so much of it was a male dominated industry. You just felt like you couldn't keep up. You felt like oh, they need to keep up with me. <laughs> well, yeah, and because like you know, I, I always felt like I, yes, it was male dominated, and we I, you know we had all of that kind of stuff going on. But for the most part, it was like I got my own lane. I'm I'm just trying to figure out how am I going to be. Um, how can I put it? How am I going to show people who I am? Mm-hmm. Uh, how am I going to show people who I am in the middle of all this rap? How am I going to get noticed? Because I'm a singer. Yeah. Clear. You know, this is that's all I want to do. I just wanted an opportunity. And I was given. I'm a, I'm a jazz singer. They got signed to a rap label, and then they gave me an R&B contract. And I had to figure out how to work with that. Gotcha. Okay. So since they did give you the R and B, and you sung it for years, amazing. You hear me? Love those love songs. Literally, you sung your heart. I feel like I fell in love all over again. From that to 2020, what do you think is missing from R and B? Ooh, that's a good question. Kind of dangerous. Kind of. <laughs> um, for me, I find that I look at it like this. When the people in let's go all the way back, when the people in the in the nineteen sixties started coming out with you know uh, uh, more of an R and B sound and and they were trying to you know they was uh, uh, you know there was somebody who was going well wait a minute where's my where's my Nancy Wilson mm-hmm. where's my well, not not so much Nancy she was in there but you know <laughs> where is my elephant Gerald where is my Rosemary Clooney where is the Yes, you know, it's, I get it, but you know, there, there are 
four, five, and six-year-old girls who look at what's out here, and I don't know if that's what we want to tell them. Gotcha. So with the so, that, so with the, the the love songs that you sung, because they were very heartfelt, they were vulnerable, they were feminine. It was really like heartfelt. You sung a lot of love songs. Do you still believe in love? Absolutely. Okay. And every day I hope God sends me some. I mean, you know, on that male-female one, I got love all around me, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in my personal life and in my uh, professional life. But, yeah, I still believe it. I still believe it's the thing that, um, I think it's the thing that makes the world go around, and it's the thing that there's just too little of. So at this, you know, I think, in this time, what does love mean to you? Like, what what is, how do you, because you know you define love in many different stages of your life, but right now in this stage of your life, what does love mean to you? How, how do you define that? Well, because I'm at a point in my life where I can't just look at myself in the mirror. I have to turn away from the mirror and look at my entire world. Mm-hmm. The world I live in, the world outside of what I, what my reality is every day and I have to just try to be an example of love so it goes past the male female thing yeah. it goes past a love affair between lovers or, 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 or partners or mates or whatever you want to call it that's one of the things I've always been happy about with Just Call My Name um, a lot of people were given opportunities to perform and to sing and to record um, and a lot of people were given some great songs to sing or wrote great songs were given the vision to write great songs. This song speaks so much past, this is my boo and I'm his girl or whatever. This song is just called my name. It could be your sister and your brother, your cousin, your friend you was in school with, your neighbor next door, your mother, your father. It's, it's, it's universal, just call my name. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's whether you need somebody that you can call on or sometimes you're the thing, you're the person that extends themselves and says, if you need me, just call my name, I'll come running. So for me, um, love is, is um, it's about everything and everyone around you. And now that, 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 that other love that's built in the carnal and in the physical, hopefully you find that too. It's, it's necessary to have that too. You want somebody to hold your hand or to hold you close in a, in a warm embrace or to make love to you a certain kind of way or to just be a, or sometimes it's just be an ear or be a shoulder. Yes. But love for me, and, and I think the best way to, 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 uh, to kind of, I guess, exemplify love is through respect. Yes. You know what I'm saying? If, if that's the, the least you could do, if you could respect your fellow man, or whoever it is, regardless of who they are, where they come from, what their walk of walk of life, what walk, walk in life is, what the color of their skin is, show them respect is a form of love. Yes, mm-hmm. that's one of the highest forms, right what there. For me. Okay. Yeah. Well, with a woman's prerogative, um, I see that you that that's your foundation. Can you tell us about that and what does that mean? Well, AWP is my is my brand name. Uh, it stands for a woman's prerogative. It was born out of sitting around trying to figure out who you're going to be and how you going what you're going to put on your business cards. And you know, I just felt like Allison Williams Productions was good, but AWP stood for could have stood for anything, and I felt it, it stood for a woman's prerogative. Uh, the prerogative that we as women have to change our minds. You know, that's a, that's a slogan or a, a 
that's a, a phrase we've been hearing from, from the beginning of time. It's a woman's prerogative to change your mind. But it was always put out there like women are fickle. And so they change their mind because they can't make up their mind. But that's not what it is. It's a woman's prerogative to change her mind because she can. And she might have a better idea about how to do something or, you know, put her mind to something or view something or present something. So that's why AWP came about. And then uh, I use that as um, an umbrella in my business to write plays. Um, I have a jewelry line that's coming. I have a, a inspirational note card line that's coming. And hopefully some of the other things, some of the other dreams that I've dreamt will come under there. Um, con- I produce concert series and, and one women shows, uh, you know, uh, tribute shows to various artists. And that's my production company. And I, I do what it is that I need to do up underneath of it. And that's whatever you want to do because that's your prerogative. I know that's right. I know that's right. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I'm taking that, girl. I'm, saying, I'm gonna put at the end, Miss Allenson Williams. I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna quote that. I'm going to quote that. That is the quote of 2021. I need a hashtag. That is wonderful. I love how you took your platform and you said I could do this and I could do that. But really, I want folks to know anything that I want to do, anything any woman wants to do, they can do it because they can. It don't. It don't make them. Don't shame them when. They want to do different things, and, and you feel like they're confused, really they're not confused. They just want to do what they want to do, and we need that. We need A lot of us young girls need women that can stand for us and say, no, 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 no. She wants to do what she wants to do, and I love that. I love that foundation. I'm going to make sure that I spread that out to everybody because that's, that's beautiful. Please. You know, it's so funny, and even, you know, as, as established as I may be, things that I want to do, I still have people that'll say, well, you know, you need to focus and just do one thing at a time. I'm going, we all don't say that to Jennifer Lopez. Come on. And she can, she can sing and she can do films and she can have a restaurant and she can have clothing line and she can represent a makeup and a, and a skin cream and a, and a, and a, and a eyelash and, and she's doing all of it and nobody's stepping out telling her, oh, you can, you need to focus and do one thing. Really? See, people, they look at power, and they empower power. They respect power. But if you're not, if you're somewhere trying to make your thing happen, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you take baby steps to get you where you're going. But, you know, once you get there, then everybody's like, ooh, she's a genius. Yes. There's nothing she can't do. But while you're trying to climb up the ladder, everyone tell you to slow down. Oh, no, slow down. You, you're doing too many things. You have too many drinks. Oh, and, and that comes to my next question. I was going to ask you, what are some projects that you have been working on? So you said a jewelry line. You said you have a production company. You said that you have um, what a films. You have a one-woman show. You do a produ- productions for other uh, musicians. Come on. Come on, Queen. Well, you know, um, obviously we worked on the new music that we just put out, so that was something that was, that took up a lot of time. And just as we were about to, you know, come out of the gate, COVID came. So um, we're lucky right now in the middle of a pandemic just to be able to tell a few people about Shade uh, uh, Summer Nights in Harlem, which is my jazz project, and uh, the single. Because, you know, all the odds are against us. There's no work, there's no venues, there's no... There's, for artists, it's really hard right now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So you have to depend on, you know, switch it around, figure it out, 
It's your prerogative to figure out what's the best way to use social media to get it out there on the platforms where you can. So, the, you know, like I said, working on the new music, uh, and, it, and a lot of different uh, forms of music. I've got some gospel music coming. I've got some R and B coming, like under the like kind of R and B smooth jazz with uh, with uh, Najee, which he's a wonderful um, a saxophone player, Grammy uh, nominated sax player, and uh, I've got some house music that's been sitting in the can waiting to come out. Um, and so I have a one woman show uh, with a tribute to Phyllis Hyman, and um, you know th- this. Uh, we're trying to keep as many balls in the air as we can. Come keep on. juggling. Yep. So that's what's going on, you know, under AWP. And like I said, the jewelry line, the note cards. You know, we just have, you have to have various streams of income. Uh, and nothing is impossible. Absolutely mm. nothing is impossible. Ooh, I got you to, you know, strategize and, uh, and, and, um, and take your time. Everything that I'm trying to do, it didn't all happen at one time, and it won't all come to fruition at one time. Some of the things I've been trying to do have, have been years in the making, but if I stay true to it, it, it comes to be. If I stay true to it, it comes to be. And if I put it in God's hands, it's definitely, it's a definite. Ooh, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. That was a word for me. That I hope I hope y'all listening out there because she just gave a word. You hear me? <laughs> so you stated that um, in an interview, in a past interview that I was watching, that jazz is your background. That's like your baby. That's like where you started from. That's just your heart. Do you plan on bringing us a full jazz album soon? Yes. Um, uh, we we had plans to release Summer Nights in Harlem, the single, on a summer night in Harlem this past year. But COVID came and stole that. And along with it, uh, some of the funding to finish the project because it became necessarily to eat and to live. Uh, we couldn't, you know, and I could not um, invest in studio time. And there were no studios for me to invest time in because they were shut down. Yeah. So, you know, we decided what we had, the two, two records we had finished, Summer Nights in Harlem and The Romance of You, uh, we'll, we'll work with them and get those into the ears and the hand, into the hands of, of the people. And then we're going to hopefully in January, I can start looking towards finishing the project so that when we hit the summer again, come on, and hopefully we'll be, you know, in a better place in terms of getting back to live music, getting back to having an audience, getting back to being able to travel, then I'll have a project, a full project that, that can be um, released into the into the marketplace, into the mainstream. But right now, I'm so happy for the love and for the support that I've been getting with just the single. It's, it's just really... Um, Ooh, you can't even imagine how good it feels, and you just know that it's nothing, it ain't nobody but God that makes, can make that happen. Because we're not supposed to be able to do all this right now. Come on. Because of what we're going through, you know? The pandemic, the civil unrest, the, 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 the government's in a flux, yes. and the whole world is shut down. It's not just us here, the whole entire world. Yes. The planet is on pause right now. But yes. yet, I'm able to put music into the world that can make people feel, you know, and that's 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 a that's a miracle. It's it really is a miracle. Huge. So to answer your question, yes, we are gonna we're gonna finish the project. I'm excited about it. I I, I know what I want to do. I'm very clear on the music I want to use and and what I wanted to sound like, and I'm going for it. Yes, Queen. So like, I want to know like, do you scat? 
Scouting has been a part of my life since I was a little girl. When I was a little girl, I started uh, school very early. I went to a private school when I was four, five years old. I went through first grade. And then that school closed. It was a private school. I guess they lost their money or whatever, and it closed. So my mother said, well, I'm going to put you in Catholic school. So you had to be six years old. It was either six or seven that you had to be to start first grade. And I took the test, I passed the test, and they went in the office, get ready to get the tuition, and they noticed my birthday. And they said, she can't start till she's sick. So the whole year of my six years going through the from five to six, I spent with my dad, and he was a jazz trumpet player, and he had a big band. And in the daytime, he drove taxi cab. So I rode in the cab with him every day. And we would play games, and we would talk music, and the whole bit. And he'd be scouting to music on the radio, and then he'd say, now you try it. And I'd try it, and I was dreadful. And he would tease me, and I'd say, okay, boo, boo, booty, boo, 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 boo. he go, boo, boo, booty, what is that? That's not a you're Jesus, you're a jive turkey. That's a jive cat, you do it. So even though I knew he was playing with me, it really, it hit me hard, because I wanted to be able to scat. And all of his friends could scat. You know, when musicians talk to each other, they talk like that. Yeah. They're like, man, you know, uh, uh, yeah, no, 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 that phrase goes like this. And they would talk like that in rehearsal. I wanted that language. I, want, I listened to Ella Fitzgerald. I listened to Sarah Vaughan. I wanted to be able to do what these women did. And and, uh, and the great male singers as well. I wanted that. And I, I was devastated that he would look at me and go, are you kidding me? That ain't no scat. Get out of here. You need to go away. So, you know, he was, he was really, he was positive. He knew that he would have got me. And so what I did was, I made my whole life's journey to learn how to scat. <laughs> so, you know, scatting is a is a, uh, uh, a, uh, a type of improvisational, it's yeah. an improvisational tool is what I call it. You know, not using a full word, but using phrases, uh, musical phrases along with uh, vowel sounds and, 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 and consonant sounds. I mean, if you want to just break it down. But, um, yeah, scanning scanning really important to me because Daddy could do it, and he told me I was a job turkey, and I was going to prove him wrong. So I think I'm pretty, I think I do pretty good with it. I think I've, I think I've, I think I've mastered it up until today, and then I got the rest of my life to do even better. Can I hear some? Let, can, y'all want to hear some? Let's hear some. Let's hear it. I've never heard nobody scat before. I've never heard it. Oh, gosh. Okay, so let's say we take a familiar song. Okay. Like the alphabet. You know how the alphabet song goes? Yes, ma'am. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? So you would go. Ah! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Listen, your voice gives me goosebumps. Literally. <laughs> Y'all, she sung the alphabet and uh, I am screaming. We don't need a concert. This is it right here, y'all. This is it. Oh my God. That was beautiful. I know people like she just sang the alphabet. I don't care. It was beautiful. No, I didn't sing the alphabet. I scattered the alphabet. Okay, correct me. Scat the alphabet. Please. I scattered the alphabet. That's different. Woo! That's 
good right there, girl. So since we're we're having fun, let's have a game. Let's play a game. So, um, one thing I can tell about you is that you love Harlem and true up north girl. We want to know more about you though. Like we want to know more stories because that story you told me about you and your dad in in a taxi cab. That's like I I thought it was a children's book. Like that'll be beautiful. When I so when I give you a word, tell us a short story of what comes to mind when you hear it. Okay, so okay. the word is subway. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never liked the subway. I just, but it was the the main form and mode of transportation as I grew up in Harlem and in New York. That's how you get around. You learn the subway system. And you and you get down in that hole and you just hope you come up out of it okay. Okay. Um, never never cared for the subway. Got plenty of good subway stories, but we have to save them for the book. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so what about Apollo Theater? Ah, uh, the Apollo Theater. Well, as, as as I am, I know that I'm not special in saying that the Apollo Theater is a place that inspired me. And um, I was going there from a real little girl because my dad, being a musician, you know, he had he had business in the Apollo, um, and 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 was rolling with people who did shows there and what have you. I think my 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 two best stories when I when I did the Apollo. When I did the Apollo for the live broadcast, remember when Apollo used to come come on TV? Mm-hmm. It's showtime at the Apollo. I got a chance to do that uh, show, and it was a really um, it was a very hectic, very stressful day, but it turned into the most incredible night and the most incredible performance that you could imagine. And um, you know, it's, it's just great. Uh, and then when I got to do the Apollo live, when I got to headline at the Apollo, was another great time. It was me, a group called After Seven, uh, a gentleman named David Teaston, and I forget who else was on the bill. Um, but I was, it just, it gave me a chance to stretch out in a way that I had never, you know, thought that I could. The production of the show, I was able to call in a dance company uh, that I had worked with in my prior career as a dancer called Forces of Nature and the uh, director at El Salon and his wife, uh, Diane Harvey, they choreographed two numbers. Uh, my, um, uh, they did a, an adagio to Just Call My Name and we did, uh, I think it was just Sleep Talk. I'm almost sure it was Sleep Talk or Raw. We did a, 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 a wonderful production number where I had drummers and African dancers and it was all about showing people how you could take hip-hop, R&B music, and, and tie it right to our roots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I was wearing the clowns, and I was wearing a certain kind of clothing when I did But it was an incredible show, you know. And um, so those two times were kind of like milestone times. I've, I've been there so many times. I love the Apollo. I love the people that are in the, up in the office. I love the people behind the stage. It's like a family there. And the very first time I remember having a, 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 I guess what I'd say, a life-changing uh, situation. I used to dance with a, a, a community uh, dance company called the Morocco Bay Dance Company. Yeah. And they used to, we used to do a lot of shows because, you know, Morocco had, had his company tied into the city and, 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 and they would call us, you know, when they had different Black History Month or whatever it used to be. And 
and we finished our little show on stage. <laughs> the audience is clapping, and we, you know, you got, you got 12, 15, 20 kids. You got to get them upstairs in the dressing room and get them out of the way. Yeah. And you know, and of course they put us on the highest floor ever. It's like the five floors. We had the top floor. We're going up the stairs, and who's coming down the stairs in a brown jumpsuit with brown shoes and a brown buckle on his belt that said Jay Z and, and his papa dog hair is a black man. I was done with James Brown. <gasps> He was coming down the stairs, and, and I stopped right there in front of him. And he just looked and said, hey, little girl, how you doing? Or whatever. He said, hello, man, whatever. <laughs> and I was stuck. I was stuck in time because it was James Brown. Yes. Looking just like James Brown. You know what I'm saying? Yes. He was, like, he was in his full, I'm getting ready to go do the splish with a cake. Yes. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say? And I guess somebody must have moved me out the way and he all went on down there. And we continued up here, but I'll never forget looking up at James Brown coming down in the brown jumpsuit and in his brown skin and his brown shoes and his brown. He was all brown, girl. Oh, I bet that just breathless. Oh, Took God. your breath away. I do. Oh, God. I can just feel it when I see it. Oh, yeah, I guess I said, I'm fine. I don't know. Kids. I'm guessing, you know, young people, you know, 
when I was a little girl, obviously in the sixties, but the seventies, eighties when I you know, she was she would let me get things, but I wanted to go and spend my money to get a certain kind of jeans. Mm-hmm. We called them dungarees back then. <laughs> or a certain kind of shoe. The shoe was Fred Braun back then. You know, the, she would be like, um, all right, I'm I'm, I'm going to give you some allowance to get some of it. You might be able to go get some Super Pro cans. But she was shopping in the better stores. She was trying to go into places like Bloomingdale's and Macy's and, the, you know, really good stores because she just wanted me to have quality. Yeah. She taught me quality. And she always used to say, oh, man, when I try on something, I'd be like, Ma, I want to wear something. She said, no, what you have on right now, now that's smart. That's smart. Because mm-hmm. back in the day, that's how they used to talk. So when you had on a smart outfit, your outfit was clean. You were, you were dressed to the nines. You were clean. You was classy clean. You was church ready. Okay. You know, oh, oh, she, oh that she looks smart. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what they used to say. So I would, get, I would hear that, and I still wanted to go to the store where my friends were going to get, you know, the, what do you call it? So I always, you know, whatever was the trend. So I always, um, I looked to her as an inspiration because... When I wasn't, whoever was, she was dressing me, and I, I was in a uniform, if not, if I wasn't wearing street clothes, because I went to Catholic school all my life. So plaid is, you know, that's what I have nightmares about, plaid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I never, you know, I would look at people, I always loved, you know, looking at uh, what, what, the, what the women who were fabulous wore. Yes. You know? Uh, Phyllis Hyman, I loved Phyllis, and because I became friends with Phyllis, she turned me on to her designer. I I took that on, you know, and learned from there. But I've never been, I've never been the girl that knew how to do it by herself. I guess I'm better now. But coming up, like I had friends that could just put an outfit together. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Or they knew how to do boo I didn't, I didn't, somebody had to, had to do it for me. And thank God my mother was doing it. And then, you know, as I got to be an adult, I got a little better at it and stuff. I know what I like, I know what I see, and I know what's gonna look good on my body. I'm not one, I'm not trying to wear it and say, yeah, I don't care if I got an extra booty or if I have, you know, my thighs are real big or my belly, I'm gonna wear it anyway. No, I'm not gonna do that. Because I think there's, I can get all the style and all the fashion sense I need and stay in the pocket and be on fleek and all of that without being inappropriate. You know what I'm saying? Or just like, you shouldn't have put that on. Mm-hmm. It's not flattering to you. So, you know, a fashion to me is this. It's got to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's got to have some kind of style to it. You know, it's got to have a style to it. Yes. And and, 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 and and once it's comfortable and stylish, it's I'm good. I'm just, you know, it's not a... I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but in, in the way I see it, you know. It does. It, it's a lot. It's telling you fashion so is whoever so you and, are. And, and when I say my style, it can range from elegant to funky. Come on. Do you know what I'm saying? But yeah. it, but whatever it's going to be, it's going to have style. It's not, you know, I don't like a bunch of throwing things together. Uh, some people like a lot of uh, bright neon colors. I don't like bright neon colors. I like earth tones. I really like black and white and gray. So, Me too. But, um. I remember coming up and my mother would say to me, are you warning someone? I go, what are you talking about? She said, your whole closet is black. Why do you have so much black? It's what I like. But there was a certain time, I guess, before my mother's generation, that black was just either for black ties, you know, mm-hmm. for some upscale, or it meant you were going to a funeral. You didn't, she didn't understand that. No, black, I like black. 
I do too, girl. I like black. Ooh, I love an all black. And you could wear you a necklace yeah. with it and wear you a boot. It just looks so chic and classy. You can switch it. Yeah, Woo. you can get the jewelry involved. I just like it. I loved it. I loved it on you. You hear me? I don't know who was dressing you, girl. You was doing it yourself, but it was on point. It was like I knew exactly who you were when I seen how you were dressed. And I was like, that is a strong woman that can hold her own and wear it. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was girl with screenshot photos. Like, I'm going to redo the outfit. Oh, I sure was. I sure was. That was, they were, they were so nice. So, you have a huge voice. Tell me a time, because the next word is singing. Tell me when you first hit that note. You hit the highest note, and you just knew, oh, yeah, I can sing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I when I was a little girl, like most little girls, put your record player on. For those who don't know what a record player is, it's your Google. <laughs> but you have your little record player in your room, and you put on music, the music you like, or that you can get your hands on, and you try to imitate what you hear. So I learned to sing by trying to imitate people. But I was imitating very mature singers. I was imitating uh, Barbara Streisand. I was imitating Dionne Warwick. I was imitating you know, singers like that. And I can remember since my mother would knock on the door and, you know, you get scared and you get shy and she'd stick her head in and go, what you doing? And i say, nothing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you're, you're singing in the brush and you hide the brush behind you on the bed. And so, you know, she'd go, okay, well, go ahead and carry on whatever you're doing. But she was always very nurturing and she would say, now listen, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You sound really nice, but you're going to have to find your own voice. Because we already have a Barbara Streisand and we already have a Dionne Warwick and et cetera, et cetera, and a Shaka Khan. So you can find your own voice. Now, in my young mind, I'm saying, but these people sound incredible and everybody seems to love them. Why wouldn't I want to imitate them? And then I had to learn that although imitation is the highest level of flattery, you have to find your own voice. So I think I became, first of all, I could imitate anybody. I just became a like a, like a, a, a really a good um, impersonator. You know, I could impersonate anybody. And that made sense to me as well because when we were coming up, we had these Sunday night variety shows that used to come on, mm -hmm. and people really would come on there and they would be impersonators. They would impersonate, impersonate uh, uh, actors, they would impersonate singers, they would impersonate politicians. That was their act. So I figured, well, hell, I'm not being able to get a job doing that. You know, I'm gonna, you know what? I just, you know, I'm trying to piece it all together. But I guess when I started singing, when I, when I stopped being shy, because I sang jazz music. I was a kid that could sing jazz or that liked jazz, but I liked singing the songs that I heard in my house. Yeah. So when I got around my friends who might have come from the church and they had a different kind of voice and maybe they had those curls and wrists and stuff, which, you know, were, were, were falling to me, I would stay out of the fray because I didn't want to get teased. Because I didn't want them to, you know, I felt like I was like the geek. I was the nerd. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, it was, it was straight. And, um, I mean, obviously that, that, that has served me well now, but I guess there was a, there was a man named Hal Jackson, who was an architect in the music and radio world. And at one point he created something called the Hal Jackson Talented Teen Contest. Mm -hmm. And I auditioned and I, I did the Talented Teen Contest and you had to have a talent. And my talent was singing and dancing, and I chose 
uh, once again, very, very much not it, it, out of the box. I chose to do a song called, what did I do? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. Um, it was from a play, it was from a Broadway play called Bubble and Brown Sugar. Mm-hmm. And I had seen this woman named Vivian Reed perform this number, Sweet Georgia Brown. And I did Sweet Georgia Brown, and, <laughs> you know, kind of made up my own way. And that was the first time my father heard me sing. He knew he had been paying and, uh, and for all other kinds of piano lessons. He knew I had a scholarship up in the dance in Harlem. And he knew all the things I could do, but, you know what I'm saying, he didn't know I could sing. He just said, yeah. What? I guess. Yeah. But to sing in front of an audience of people and have a choreography and the whole thing at Town Hall, it just threw him. So he immediately talked to his arrangers that we got to get us some arrangements for the big band. Come on. And that was, I was about 16, so that's when um, I started working more with him, you know, and really being able to come come out. But now, I'm, now mind you, I'm still singing jazz and Broadway show tunes. I'm still, I still haven't gotten to the Gladys Knights and the Fatal Bells yet. Yeah. So, my father would sometimes give shows where he would take a busload of people down to South Jersey. And, you know, they'd have a whole day down there and, you know, they'd have lunch and so on and so forth. Then at night they'd have this, the ballroom open and they had the big band and they had different performers, tap dancers, a blues singer, a, a, a comedian, and then they had a DJ, and then they would have a younger band like for in between the, the acts, right? Mm-hmm. And the band was called the Little Dudes. And they lived in my father's, well, the grandfather of one of the musicians was my father's uh, superintendent for his high-rise where he lived. And the band used to rehearse in the basement. They had an extra room down there. So, and the, and the grandfather was trying to manage them and trying to set them on their way and stuff like that. And they would do a little gig and they would work for my father. So when I finally got my life in order and thought I wanted to do something, they had a lead singer. She was older than them, but she could sing all the current music and she could hold the audience. She was really, really good. Yeah. And she got pregnant. And that means they needed a singer. So I decided I was going to audition for the band. Come on. And the first song that I learned to sing, that was a commercial R&B radio song, was Shame by Evelyn Champagne King. Mm-hmm. And that's what I auditioned. I got with the little dudes, and I was their female singer, and I stayed with them until they were, you know, until we moved on to the next thing. That, like I said, that was all in the 15, 16, 15 to 16 year old range. So I guess around that time was when I started, you know, knowing that yeah. this could be, it was I could good. hold it. I could hold it, and I wasn't, you know, I could go out and sing in front of an audience, and it didn't matter what kind of music. Jazz was always my favorite because it was my most familiar. But I could, I could do, I could sing, I could sing R&B, I could sing Shane. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that takes me to my next question. You knew you could sing, but did you know it was deeper when Maya Angelou said that you were her songbird? Like, did you know, like, oh, yeah, this goes, my voice is deeper than what I think it is. What I knew was, you know, when you finally come into a place and you realize why you're here, when you have your epiphany, I know that it is my job to, it's like, it's like somebody says, here's fire. Mm -hmm. We need you to keep it burning. Don't let the fire go out. Just hold on to this, this, this vessel and keep fire. Imagine what that would be like if it was your job to keep fire. Very important. 
and very scared. Right. So, so at a very, so at a very young age, I started to realize that it was what what I was doing was very important, and um, and that I had been given a very special gift. I wasn't the only one. I was just the only one with the, my fire sounded like my fire. Yes. And, and 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 Regina Bell's fire sounds like her fire. Beyonce's fire is her fire. So it's that thing that you've been given, and it is the thing that if I'm in the room, and it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're young or old, or black or white, or gay or straight, or short or tall, or fat or thin, I have a gift that can make you, everybody, be on one page at the same time. And at the same time, we're all on the same page. You might have an experience where it makes you cry, and those cries, those tears might be tears of joy, or they might be reminiscent of something that makes you real sad. Somebody else might be like, hey, I want to drop it like it's hot. I'm falling <laughs> I'm happy. I'm turning it up. I'm turned. I'm done. You know, so that's what my gift is. When Dr. Angelou said, call me songbird, or when she would have me in front of people and say, this is our girl, and we must support her, you knew that she was speaking into a group of people who could look at you and see something good in you and would support you. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. I remember one time with Dr. Angelou, like one time she had um, a lifestyle, um, a lifestyle and a card line with Hallmark cards, and she had greeting cards, and the greeting cards were her quotes and her words, and you know, beautiful black art and, and images on the cards, and then she had other things like uh, big platters that you would put on your table at uh, any time you want to, but you know, at a holiday, and she had table runners and wind chimes and all of this stuff. So they gave her this whole lifestyle uh, uh, thing, <clears throat> and they gave her a big party to commemorate, you know, the fact that she was coming on to the Hallmark team. Mm-hmm. They, took, they gave her a big party at a big place, big fancy fancy place in New York called Cipriani's. But she had a private party at Ashford and Simpson Sugar Bar, and she invited all her friends. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to be her entertainment at that private party. And when I looked. I was singing some songs, and just at one point, we took a little break. The band was trying to figure out what the next song was going to be, and I had a moment, you know, where I didn't have to be in that conversation, and I looked out in front of me, and I saw Dr. Ma Angelou, Cicely Tyson, Coretta Scott King, and Betty Shabazz sitting, laughing and talking like girlfriends, eating chicken with their fingers, and it dawned on me, these are the chicks that want to hear me sing. Yes. These are the women that, that pay attention to me. Dr. Angela has put me on the world stage. She has put me in her. She could have chosen anybody in the world. So but she good. chose me for her private party. And I got to see that lineup of history enjoying what I was doing. Yes. So when she would call me Songbird, like if I walked in the room and I'd say, Hi, Dr. Angela, she would not turn around maybe right away. She would just say, Songbird. Oh. And that's how she would identify me. You know what I'm saying? Somebody else would walk in the room, and she had a name for them. You know, she she identified us all. But when I would say hi, Dr. Angela, no matter where I was, she just look and say, songbird. And that's what she would say. Oh. So now that, you know, you figured out, or you knew, I have a purpose for my, a purpose for my voice. I know what I have to do for my voice. Now that bringing it forward to 2020, Summer Nights in Harlem, it's so classy. It's smooth. I'm a younger generation, and I just kept replaying that thing over and over and over. 
and over. I was like, this is a whole vibe here. She's and giving that, me vibes. That's what that's what the whole purpose is. Because when I went back and listened to my parents' music, you know, and I heard a Nancy Wilson or Carmen McCray, I didn't just, you know, it wasn't that, that didn't mean I was going to put down the Jackson 5. It just meant that this is another kind of music that I like. Yes. It might not be what I listen to every day or every, you know, but I like this. I want to play this on a Saturday, you know, when I'm home, but I don't have to go to school and I'm doing my chores. I like it. She sounds good. She's, she's singing a love song. And, you know, it's making me happy. And so you're a young person and you listen to my music and you feel the same way. And the whole thing is about feel. Yeah. I had a friend of mine the other day. She said to me, oh, Alison, I really love the music. I put it on, girl. I have to play it again. You know, it made me feel like, and she kept trying to, Put an adjective in for feel. After feel, I said, you don't have to finish the sentence. You said, Allison, I listened to your music and it made me feel. Mm-hmm. That's what I want my music to do. I want people to feel. I want it to touch them. Girl, after after I went on Instagram and just heard this snippet, I had to go to YouTube to, <laughs> to hear everything else. Then I went down a rabbit hole and just heard all your music. And I was like, oh my God, Like she's like my auntie. I feel like I know her. I feel a connection with yeah, her through that's this. What I want. That's, what I want. that's what I want it to be. I don't want it to just be for people who've been with me since 1989 and they just follow me always to just call my name and we're all in the same age, you know, demographic or whatever. I want the next generation because there's some singers out there that are going to go and take 10, 15 years from now, just like I want to sing Misty or I want to sing uh, something from Aretha Franklin's uh, 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 archive or, 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 like I said, a Nancy Wilson or any of those great singers. I want to sometimes sing those songs and I have them in my repertoire. I want somebody to want to sing Summer Nights in Harlem and The Romance of You. I want them to go, ooh, I got to get the band to learn that because that is my jam. Oh, I got to get the burden. You know what I'm saying? I yes. want the singers that gravitate to that kind of music. I want them to want to do it 10 and 15, 20 years and pass that when I'm, when I'm way gone. That's what I'm trying to put into the world. And I want it to be a feel-good music. Right now, we got so much ugly and, and hate and, and, and death and around us. It feels good to put something on that makes you just go, Ooh, yes. that's so good. Yes. I can maybe not turn on the news for the next 15 minutes and be told, be told that, you know, the vaccine may or may not work. You know what I'm saying? You just, yes. you just need something that makes you feel good. And it can't always be a protest song. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I get Black Lives Matter because they do. But all our all, all Black Lives need to feel good. And the feel-good music is what we need sometimes. We do. Just as much as we need the consciousness music. Yes. You know? So on this note... Yeah. Right, listen, you're gonna you're gonna give it to us. You hear me? You're gonna give it to us. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. You're gonna give it to us. Everything that that's been put on your on your heart is gonna come to pass. I promise you that. So I'll take it from Miss Allison. God, God, yeah, c- come on, bring him in the room. <laughs> He's always here. Okay, okay. He need to make a cameo, girl. Miss <laughs> Williams, this was beautiful talking to you i really feel like we was talking at the at the at the barbecue and i done pulled you over to the side um and anytime you encounter me at the barbecue i want you to feel like you can yes is there anything that you want to let the people know or you know drop your social media handles or leave us on a really good note you have a lot of wise words that you can let us know well i can say this i can say that they can check me out on my radio show 
It's at WHCR Harlem Community Radio. That's 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And if you can't get 90.3 FM wherever you are in the world, you can go to WHCR.org. My show is called Love Notes in the Till Zone with Allison Williams. It comes on Tuesday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. They can find me on social media. I'm Allison Williams Music on Facebook. I'm Allison Williams Music on Instagram. And I'm Allison Williams on Twitter. And I want for the, I want everybody to pray for my uh, social media soul so I can <laughs> find you better and get my numbers out.
I sure am. And, uh, I sure am. You're gonna like it. It's called Happy Holiday by Alice I will. I will. And I'm gonna tell Nora too, but Nora need to do it too. I'm gonna tell Nora too. Um, I hope you really enjoyed this interview. If you ever need anything from us, let me know. Um, anything, just let me know. I got you. I got you. Okay, well, this was beautiful. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, too. A wonderful day. You too, baby. You stay safe, all right? You too. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Stop recording over here.